I'm going to speak the truth to you, but some of y'all, you took a shortcut, a convenience this summer. You was like, coach ain't here. The season's weeks away. I got time. Are you kidding me? As a college athlete, you got four, maybe five years to be great or be forgotten. So are you home taking it easy? Somebody else is out there in the heat just about killing itself to make their name great. But you got time. And Yo, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Athletes Table. I'm your host, the Lebanese Stallion, here with your boy, AC Coop and Dylan. What is going on, y'all? What's Gucci? Nah, not much. Just watch the Ravens lose, you know, another another weekend of football. Yeah, I was hoping for the Ravens to win, but that was... I wanted to see Ravens-Detroit Super Bowl. That would be... Yeah, who, who do you have Bowl. in this next matchup? I know by the time this comes out, it's gonna be long gone. I, but, know. You know, I, I would like to. I would like to see Detroit, but I think San Francisco will pull it off. I hope San Francisco doesn't win. San Francisco does not have a good offense, and I don't because what's his name's not playing. Sam- Wide receiver. He's Debo's gonna be playing like half on, half off, but that doesn't work. Look at Mark Andrews when the Ravens do. He didn't play that much either. Yeah, that's that the really problem with your offense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. only thing that I'm kind of scared for with Detroit is their secondary is not nearly as good. No. Their front, their no. front seven holds that defense together. Once the once the secondary goes, and you can you can beat them over top, which is what yeah. San Fran's going to yeah. do. They're going to try to contain McCaffrey, but you just let them fly off in the flats. And you let Kittle get off in the flats, and yeah. it just turns into that's an outside run for them. So it'll be really quite interesting to see how they control. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and Ayuk and Debo. If Debo's like, you when Ayuk is a dog, nobody realizes it. I'll tell you, he's sneaky on fantasy too. <laughs> uh, I, I I like Ayuk. He's he's a good yeah. player, and he's going to be staying in San Fran for a while too. So you got to watch out Absolutely. for that boy. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But yeah, you want to? We can go ahead right on to our player segment, man point of this podcast like you know and what we're trying to get out to people is everyone's journey is hate different winners and try to strip them to take away that they're just good yeah just admit That's they're good the funny thing about this game you fail 70 percent of the time as long as you can have the determination and never give up you have the world in your hands the greatest glory in living lies not in never failing but rising and every single time we fall So we got a special one for y'all today, Georgia State University football head scout for Max Preps, Mr. Nate Paxton. What's going on, my man? Thank you much, brother. How you doing, man? I appreciate y'all having me. Hey, we living, yeah. we living. Um, so we're going to go right on to it, man. Uh, we kind of start every episode very similar. We kind of branch it off whichever way that you want to talk about, man. So uh, first thing we're going to do is – Tell us where you came from, your origin story, what was your family life like, and how did you get introduced into sports? No doubt, man. Well, for me, I'm from Scottsdale, Georgia. Uh, From there, me and my family battled homelessness and poverty for quite some time, man. And uh, 
coming out of high school, I went to Clarkson High School, not a school known for football here in Georgia, more known for soccer and whatnot, but I was one of the first people in almost 50 years to go play Division One football. And out of yeah. high school, I had no offers, man. A really good player, averaging like 15 tackles, three sacks a game, like dominating. But when it came to like just getting opportunity, it, it was just hard to get it from there. And I was from a bad neighborhood, man. You know, burying so many people. I buried my dad three years ago, my oldest sister. Mm -hmm. So just a lot of, you know, trauma, which, you know, a lot of people go through. And mm -hmm. I used it as fuel my whole time. Like, I would come to school. Nobody knew my situation. I would just tough it out and show up show up daily. So, from there, no offers coming out. I ended up signing with Alabama A&M, going to a little college expo. Me and my dad ended up going down to Huntsville. Somehow, they didn't have my paperwork and stuff. So, they said mm -hmm. the best they could have did for me was kind of give me a walk-on opportunity in the spring. But being, you know, battling homelessness and not having the money to do anything – I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't afford to do that. So, yeah, two years straight, man, I was doing, you know, the Herschel Walker type workouts. Like, on, couldn't afford a gym membership. I couldn't even afford Planet Fitness. So, going to monkey bars, doing pull ups, push ups, just burning mm. myself out, basically trying to get it. And finally, Georgia State. Me and my dad for like three months straight caught the martyr, trying to meet with the coaching staff. Coach Curry, Bill Curry was the head coach at the time. And one day, two players, uh, two brothers, Samoan brothers, uh, Jake and Louie, they introduced me to the coach because we had been walking past the office, but we didn't know. So for anybody who knows anything about Georgia State, the campus is all over the place. So mm -hmm. it's not a central location. So I was like, man, this is going to yeah. be <laughs> like, like find a needle in a haystack, basically. Like, it's hard. <laughs> and from there, they introduced me. They was like, man, you've been walking past the office every single day. I'm like, we didn't know. Nobody could tell us where it was at. Finally went in there and Coach Curry and um, Coach Pugh, they sat me down. They heard a gist of my story. They seen I had great grades coming out. And I said, I don't need you guys to, you know, do anything other than just give me an opportunity to prove myself. They mm -hmm. told me it was a, I could be a preferred walk-on and they'll give me an opportunity at a walk-on tryout, which came the following February after I got accepted into school. It was like 200 guys out there. Out of those 200 guys, there were some guys that were way – I played DN and outside linebacker, so I'm only 6'2", right at 245 at the time. So I'm like, all right. I'm, I know I'm already an undersized DN, but I know what I bring to the table. So mm -hmm. it's guys out there twice my size, guys cut from UGA, cut from Alabama, because it was a new program. Everybody wanted to join a new mm -hmm. program. And when I say I was the only D lineman, like I waited like two days. They posted the results from the tryout like maybe like a week later. Every two days or a day or so, I would walk to the facility, try to see, is my name up there? Did they post it yet? They didn't post mm -hmm. it. And finally, when they posted made the team, it was 14 guys that made it. I was the only D-lineman out of every – it was a bunch of guys out there. Dang, so, that's wild. So, for me, I was like, man, God is good. And Absolutely. outside of that, man, uh, ended up – my career at Georgia State was really good. Freshman year, I, not many walk-ons played at Georgia State outside of guys like myself. Will Lutz, you guys probably know about Lutz. He uh he's with the Broncos now, starting kicker. But me and him walked yeah. on together. And uh yeah, man, like from there, it's pretty much I was still going through homelessness, going through a lot of stuff with my family. But at the same time, we stuck together, man. My my parents are amazing people, man. They were great role models, and they helped me and my two younger. I got two younger brothers as well who played football. And from there, man, I just toughed it out. Junior year came. I was about to max out on student loans and uh, 
<laughs> one day one of my coaches seen me and he was like, what you sitting out here at the bus stop for? I said, waiting to go home. And at the time going home was either sleeping in my car or Modio Hotel. And he was oh, like, no, nah, nature playing, man. He said, you, you got a home, right? I said, nah, coach. <laughs> and I was the first person to show up at practice every day, last person to leave. And I always showed up with a smile and high energy. And he was like, you're a leader on this team and you're going through all this? I said, I don't need a handout, coach. If I didn't earn it, don't give it to me. And he said, you earned it more than anybody. So from there, we kind of, we kind of, you know, talked about it. But then from there, we went on about training camp and just having practice daily. And usually they do a scholarship meeting, like meet with the whole team and announce who's getting no scholarship. It yeah. never it never was who you think it was going to be. So in my <laughs> head, I'm like, it's not going to ever be me. So let me just keep doing what I'm doing, control what I can control. The video is still up on YouTube to this day. They called a meeting up, the head coach. He calls the meeting with the team and he says, we're able to give out scholarships. They're renewable out there every year. So you basically got to earn your scholarship every year. The first person we want to give it to is Nate Paxton. I, Hell yeah. I, I, all I remember is just crying like, like a baby, man. And then later throughout that day, after I'm signing the actual scholarship and everything, I'm like crying teardrops on the paper. I'm calling my mom, calling my dad. I remember my mom like calling me like 20 times. I can't exaggerate this. <laughs> So you really got a scholarship? I'm like, yeah, mama, it's real. She hangs up. My dad called me. So that means you don't got to pay for no school no more, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging up, and I'm like, they call. They keep calling just like they're in awe, just like I'm in awe. And I get home. I get the biggest hug from them, my brothers. Like, it was just an amazing moment. And from there, I, I became a team captain within my junior year where the team and the coaches voted me as a team captain. I finished out a team captain. Uh, ended up getting the NCAA award, the Wilma Rudolph Award. First mm -hmm. in my family to graduate. Then after that, got some opportunities in the NFL with the Falcons and Seahawks. Uh, ended up from there going to play in China. It was a pro league in China. Ricky Williams started, went out there and played. Mm -hmm. I thought I heard about that league before. I didn't know if it was true or not. <laughs> nah, nah, yeah, man. It's definitely real, man. He, Him and Byron Chamberlain started a great league and opportunity over there for guys to go get some film. Oh, okay. <laughs> Step up. So from there, had some CFL opportunities, and I finished out in the arena, man. I played at three different levels, and then I finished out in the IFL, the top level of arena ball. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's been a great journey, man. So now, currently, what I do now, man, I use all the experience I gained throughout the years, man. I help these kids kind of pay it forward and help them oh, get yeah. position. That's awesome. That That's yeah. actually a crazy lineup of just you know, going from point A to point B to point C to point D and yeah, never, never doubting yourself. That's exactly. the biggest thing. You never doubted yourself the, every step of the way. You knew you had it in you. You were a dog, you were a fighter, and you knew you had it. Yeah, Sorry, Aaron, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I was all – you go ahead. You go ahead, Max. Oh, I was going to ask, um, what was your favorite kind of level? Since you played college, you played professional, you played overseas, you played arena. What would you say was the most memorable – of those? I would say college, man. Uh, the pros was amazing. I've had some amazing stories, like, professionally. But when I when I talk about just memories, like, college, I'll never get it back just because we, we – I, I was able to be a part of a team that made school history, go to the fastest bowl game in college football history. It was us. I was a team captain on national television. Uh, earning a scholarship just that moment alone was insane. 
Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, just some of the games, like playing against Alabama, Clemson, the stuff people mm-hmm. dream about, and the stuff I was dreaming about as a young kid, I was able to go do. But I think the coolest thing out of all that, outside of the scholarship, my middle brother, me and him got to play together my senior year. He transferred from an NAIA school, transferred up my senior oh, year. Yeah. And uh, me and him played together at Georgia State, and he finished out his career as a starting center, an all-conference type guy, and just Dang. he did the thing. And he ended up going pro as well, too. <laughs> Dang, okay. Dude, that's okay. awesome. Heck yeah. Is he, is he in a professional right now? He's done. He just finished. He hung his cleats up, and now he coaches high school, so he's giving back as well. We all about giving back. Okay. That's awesome. That's what's up. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been a part of multiple of the scholarship um, – we did a couple with East Carolina. Um, I actually got mine my senior year because I was a walk-on for three years. In my senior year, I got my, – uh, my coach brought me into the office, and I thought we were just going over, like, reports, <laughs> going over the next year and everything else. He's like, yeah, we're going to give you a scholarship. I was like, no, what are you talking about? Man. I was like, I, I'm, I'm only here for one more year, dude. What are you giving me a scholarship for? <laughs> but, yeah, I, it wasn't as dramatic as that, and, like – at that point, I was just like, we've got other athletes. There's no point in giving me a scholarship and everything. Like, so for me, like, it was just like an eye opener. Like, it was one of those things, like, you really earned that. Yeah, you know man. what I mean? Yeah, so, I've, I've seen a lot of stories of people talking about, like, whenever they earn those scholarships and everything, it's the best feeling in the world. Man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I, I try to tell these young guys, like, one, being a walk-on is not for the weak-hearted, but two, <laughs> when you earn that scholarship, I mean, there's no better feeling in the world. You, It's it's like winning a championship. It really is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I believe it. I definitely believe that. Yeah. That's, that's wild. So what are what are some of the stuff now going, going through your career? You just explain your career and everything. I really want to dive deep into what you do now because you're obviously very, very passionate about it. Saw you on on Twitter. I, I saw some of the stuff that you put up and everything. And I was just like, okay, like this this dude, he's all that. Like he's consistently putting stuff out about different athletes and everything. And you do all different sports. You don't just do football, right? Okay. So like, I really want to dive deep into that. So like, what? Explain a little bit what you do and like how you go about the recruiting process with different athletes. Yeah, man. So when it comes to recruiting, the main thing I do, I educate for free. So I don't. I'm not a person who's looking for money. I'm looking to educate you to put you in a position where you can do this on your own. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, most people lack getting recruited because they lack resources, and most importantly, mm-hmm. they lack knowledge. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing that I do is teach them, when it comes to recruiting, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, it just doesn't matter. Times are different. It's not, you know, back in the day where coaches show up to your game and just offer you on the spot. Yeah, It doesn't work like that no more. Some mm-hmm. kids, if you're the five-star, the six-seven, 280-pound kid who runs like the wind, okay, that's a different story. But most kids are not built like that. Most people aren't built like that. So you got to take a different route. So for me, I teach them, your film has to be going out to hundreds of coaches on a weekly basis. You have to be aggressive with your outreach. You got to let coaches know you exist. And once you get their attention, keep their attention by asking the right questions and just building relationships with these coaches. So for me, I do that for kids. So I educate them. But outside of that, if they feel like, you know, coach, I, I just can't do this on my own. I'd rather somebody who's an expert in the field come do it. All I do is I take over the process, sending their film to hundreds of coaches a day, 
Monday through Friday until they physically sign. And from there, just taking over the process. And I got tons of connections. Like, I'm pretty sure you guys just seen the Michigan, like the D coordinator from Michigan, Jesse Minner, was my mm-hmm. D coordinator. At oh, Georgia wow. State. I was able to play for him as well as coach. And now I think he's going to be with the, he's going to be the D coordinator for the Chargers. So yeah. that's that's the that's type of connections that <laughs> God has blessed me with, man. And I, I've been able to, you know, leverage a lot of the people that I know and just get these kids in front of them. I'm not a genie or anything special when it comes to this process. I just know I know people, but even more so, I know that if your film is getting seen, you have a shot. But if your film yeah. is just getting posted on Twitter all day, your grandma down the street can't offer you. Yeah, true. yeah, very true, very true. That's yeah, recruiting now is a full time job. Like it's just like you said. Like whenever we were coming out, even what ten years ago, whenever we were getting recruited, like it's a, it's totally different even from that point. And mm-hmm. like from whenever our parents were getting recruited, because my dad was getting recruited for baseball, it was a little just like a coach exactly like shit. Coach came out, saw you play, he offered you on a spot. Either you took it or you didn't, or you got a you got a letter in the mail because they went and saw you. Now it's like you got to go to showcases. You got to go to do travel. You've got to make sure all your fi- you're getting film to make sure you can send out for the possibility that you're not going to fall through the cracks. Yeah. And at, at this point, falling through the cracks has the definition has changed. It used to be like, well, you you had some people come see you, some people that don't. If you play for a small school, you're probably not going to get seen. They used to be like that. Now it's if you fall through the cracks, it's your fault. Because you didn't put the work in. Yeah. It's totally changed. And like that's what – like a lot of – like us three, that's what we really do is we try to educate some of these younger athletes coming up on how exactly it is to get recruited because it is a full-time job. 100%. 100%. Now, do you see a lot of kids struggling with the um, – because coaches, like I'm big into coaching, and a lot of coaches, they have like their lingo or language that they speak amongst each other, and they kind of pay attention to if athletes know how to say stuff in emails and text messages and things like that. Do you see that affecting kids with their recruiting at all, yeah, or do you kind of say it's more of a eh, type deal for them? Yeah, I, I think it's that and even just the consistency. So a lot of times kids – so one, I get that all the time. I have kids in my inbox now talking about yo. I'm like, bro, you can't yo me like. <laughs> yo, no, no, no to your yo, sir. Try again. No. Yeah, like, I, I'll, like that's a quick way to get left on red with me. Like yo, like I'm pretty sure I've accomplished more than you and probably half the people in your family. So you might want to yeah. laugh. And that's not even like put some respect on my name, man. Yeah, like <laughs> and, and then the, the crazy part is they'll be yo, can you help me get recruited? Because they seen something that I posted. I'm like, do you think you can come to anybody with that type of language and think mm-hmm. they want to help you? Like you're making it seem like you're entitled. And that's the one thing I can say about this new generation. It's mm-hmm. a lot of entitlement there. Hell it yeah. Like, it feels like you're supposed to do stuff for them, but Yep. I'm old school. I, I wasn't raised like that. You got to earn. Exactly. Yep. Would you <laughs> so, Would you go into a job exactly. interview starting like that? Hey, yeah. yo, what's up, man? Hire me. <laughs> no, dumbass. You're off the <laughs> ship. You're back on the bus with the rest of them. Good luck. Just what? Come on. <laughs> it's almost like the work. commercial where it says, it's like, a, oh, yeah, your best friend's got your back at a job interview. He goes in there and thinks like he's being punched and beat up and stuff like that. <laughs> just thrown out of the room. Everybody leaves and it's just you sitting there. 
Exactly. Man, it's it, it crazy, man. It's brutal, but that's – I can honestly say that's one of the big ones. And like mm-hmm. I said, consistency. The thing is, a lot of kids feel like they're better than they are. Everybody thinks they're D1, as we all yeah, know, yeah. which you're not. <laughs> but even outside of that, a lot of kids are like, I had these coaches come to my school. Okay, they came to your school. Did you follow up? Did you do anything after that? Were you consistent with the outreach? Like, I always say this, and I mean it. You have to become the annoying girlfriend in this process. <laughs> you have to be the one who's picking up yeah. the phone and just, hey, coach, hey, coach, did you see my film? Hey, coach, this is what I did. Hey, this is my GPA. Now they're like, okay, when they respond and show interest, now you ask questions. Hey, coach, how many guys are you bringing in at my position? Mm-hmm. Now you're asking more, you know, knowledgeable questions. But a lot yeah. of times these kids – and then they – everybody is is funny. They beat their chest over Twitter. Like, I'm messaging hundreds of coaches. <laughs> I have thousands of messages in my message request right now that I never will look at. And that's mm-hmm. on – that's just the way the algorithm is set up. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm Nate Paxson. Imagine when, you know, Nick Saban before he retired. Imagine a guy like him, how many message requests he would have. I'm still mad about that. My old man finally <laughs> retired. I'm still pissed. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, man. A lot of these kids don't understand. Like, Twitter is cool. It's a great resource. But if you haven't been interacting with coaches or they actually know mm. your name, it, you can message. You can reach out as much as you want. But. Do you reach out to your future boss if you're going for a job interview through social media first? Exactly. Or phone, phone call, in person, or email? I think it's those three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what I've said multiple times, and you just made it more present in my mind as well, that every time you get recruited or anything, any sport, it's a job interview. If you don't put your best suit like foot forward, like, you don't have to be dressed up or anything like a job interview, but if you aren't like, hey – what do you need from me? What can I do to help? Where am I at? What do you, else do you need from me? I would love to do this and that. If you're not like that, they're like, all right, cool. You're just another player. We'll find another person like you. And to add on to that, so, like, I, I'm a I'm a personal trainer. I train athletes, everything else. So, like, my presence matters almost just as much, if not more, than the person that comes in to see me okay. because technically they're doing a job interview on me. If I'm not cleaned up, if my clothes don't look ratty, um, if I have good speech, like my dialect is good. It's the same way for an athlete talking to a coach. They're yep. they're looking at you as much as you're looking at them. Yep. Because they're the ones that can let you say, No, we don't we don't need you, bro. Like you don't represent our university, you don't represent yep. me, and you don't represent my type of players. Yep. That's what that's what we can't get young people to understand. At all. And and they don't realize a lot of people in this generation coming up, they don't realize that there's a dime a dozen per an athlete. You know, there's so many people a million high school students that want to play college football basketball baseball one percent of that will make it well you have to be x y and z to be that one percent and mm-hmm. also too it's like they don't do we, when we talked to um eddie when we talked yeah, to him yeah, yeah. he literally got an internship because of somebody else that he knew that knew somebody else that they knew no no that so was he, ryan that was ryan oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right that's right that's right mm-hmm. um either way um yeah it doesn't matter who you're in front of because somebody knows somebody. Yep. If you're always have your best foot forward, if you're always showing your best self, no matter what, somebody's going to notice. hundred percent. Whether you're D1, D2, D3, NAIA, overseas, what it doesn't, doesn't matter. But as long as somebody notices and you keep on putting your best foot forward, somebody will notice eventually. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. the ballers everywhere, man. I always say that. Like, no matter what level you play, there's ballers every level everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So I, I, I want to transition from this. Um, yep. So we get this question a lot, and we talk to many different age groups, talk to older players, talk to younger players, everything else. In your opinion, how early should a kid start the recruiting process? Ninth grade. Ninth grade. That's ninth early. grade. Yeah, ninth grade you should start attending camps because here's the thing. It comes down to committable scholarships. So I was literally just talking to a parent earlier about this. So when it comes to recruiting, I know everybody on social media, you see the eighth grader, the seventh grader with 30 D1 offers. They're not committable, meaning you can't put pen to a paper because you can't do that until September 1st of your junior year. Mm-hmm. So most kids are believing that, you know what, I'll just start junior year. No, you need to start building relationships now and having conversations and going to mm-hmm. camp so they know about you. Then when junior year hits, I have kids right now in the, in the 2025 class who already have four to five offers. And remember, they're juniors, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're not yeah. seniors yet. But it's because of the conversations that they're having before the average kid is just waiting. Like, mm-hmm. most people play a waiting game like that. The thing that I've been seeing that's wrong in recruiting and just in this the athlete space, one, everybody listens to their know-it-all parents sometimes, and they don't know it all. Yeah. And, and two, it's just a lot of being passive, man. Like, you won't get anywhere in life doing anything passive. And that's what people do in this recruiting process. If he's good enough, they'll find him. Not gonna happen. <laughs> like maybe back what, in the old days when the newspaper was a big thing. Exactly. <laughs> What's that? that? What's a newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was yeah, toilet paper, like, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. And even then, like just a lot of people will wait till it's junior season to start really sending being proactive. Mm-hmm. So you got two and a half whole years before you even think about talking to college coaches or even getting on their radar. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, junior ending up junior year, going into senior year, you're panicking because no D1 school is talking to him. No D2 school is talking to him. He's only getting small D3 offers at Turtleneck Tech. That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely yep. your fault. Yeah. So to add on to that, um, the camps. Because yep. all three of us, we we got invitations to go to camps, play yep. our respective sport, everything else. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands what the camps are for, right? So especially if you go to an invitation camp, not like a showcase camp. Invitation camp's yep. totally different. Like if you go to like a St. John's, if you because that's me, I got a lot of stuff from St. John's. So like I, I never I never went because it was all the way in New York and everything, and that's just a different story. But like either way, going to an invitation camp right there. You're good enough to to play. Like obviously, like you're getting you're good enough to get an invitation to go get looked at by D one, D two, D three, any type of NCAA uh, organizations. But what should a player that's going to an invitation camp? What should he really be doing? Because you're obviously there to play, but like you have to get connections. You have to talk to different people. You have to say certain things whenever you're there. What should a player? go into one of these camps, what would be your advice to them? Yeah, man. So when I was coaching at Georgia State, we used to do camps all the time. And the one thing I I would say do is contact coaches prior to you getting out there because most times they let you know what schools are probably going to be there. And even mm-hmm. if it's a high chance that they are or they aren't, why not reach out to that coaching staff? And then from there, they know about you. So uh-huh. instead of showing up, because I'll be honest, 
thousands, if not millions of kids are getting those same type of invitations. The right. kids that show up are the kids that basically can't afford to get there. Mm -hmm. So when you show up and out of those hundreds of kids that are actually there, how are you going to separate yourself? Because every kid is going to try to walk up to the coach and shake his hand and say, I'm Billy Bob and this is what I got, coach. I'm honored to be here, blah, 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 blah. And then most kids are going to leave with a souvenir T-shirt, a slap on the back saying good job, and that's it. The thing is, you want to be known before you get to the camp. And now when you get to the camp and you reintroduce yourself because you've had a conversation with some mm -hmm. of the coaches, now it's like, okay, hey, coach, thanks for checking out my film. Me and you have been, you know, talking back and forth because he may not notice your face face-to-face because y'all haven't been face-to-face. -face. But now he's like, oh, yeah, you're Arthur. Now it's like, okay, this is the kid who was out there demolishing other kids. This is the kid mm -hmm. who Vivo is at 90 miles an hour. Let me make sure I keep an eye on this kid. Now when they're doing that, now it's an easier transition into, hey, man, the next step, we're going to get you on an official visit and we're going to offer you. That's a smoother transition than now you're trying to cram in in your little elevator pitch. Hey, coach, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm 2025, blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't remember you 30 minutes later because every other kid just did the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you want to put your best foot forward by, one, getting to get your film on the desk prior to the camp. When you get to the camp, reintroduce yourself, let them know you're thankful. And when you leave the camp, send another message saying, thanks for having me. Here's some more of my film, coach. I just wanted you to check out. You always got to have ammo in your gun. So a lot of these workout videos kids are posting, resend those to coaches after you went to a camp or whatnot, just so you can rejog their memory. Like, oh, that's the kid that ran really fast on his 60. Mm-hmm. See, that makes exactly. a lot of sense. That's a good sales tactic. Um, yeah. And a lot of people in the business world, they, they actually, and it's, you laugh, but it's actually true. In the sales world, you actually do that. So yeah. you always like, like with me with a client, I'll reach out to them first. I may send them an email. I may send them like a, I, sometimes I'll even send them like my Instagram stuff just for them to see like, hey, I trained. This is what my background, like this is who I am. And then you contact them. Well, you once you contact them or you see them in person, you say like, you already have that little bit of a connection. So as like an athlete, he reaches out to a coach and he said, hey, if they have a conversation or not, you say like, hey, coach, like I'm so and so. Um, I'm the one. I'm, do you remember that I talked to you last week or last month or whatever? That's an easy conversation starter. Yeah. And that, that's usually the hardest part is initiating the conversation. So make it easier on yourself. That's it. So about initiating the con uh, the contact with a coach. One, how easy is it for players to get access to talking to a coach via email, phone call, whatever? And then, what is a way that a kid can say, like, kind of stand out in an email compared to other athletes? In any because email seems to be the most easiest way for athletes to contact a coach. It's usually the most the calls. most easily obtainable information. Yeah, yeah. about a different organization yeah. yeah yeah so it's on the school website so this is going to sound like it's uh, the most simplest answer but it's the consistent outreach and reaching out to every coach on staff the average kid is only reaching out to their position coach head coach and the recruiting coordinator mm -hmm. that's three coaches out of the 15 that are on staff if it's yeah. baseball you know there's probably eight to nine and they're only reaching out to two your mm -hmm. chances go up it's all about so recruiting is a numbers game and it's a probability game when it comes to numbers, the more schools you reach out to, the higher your stock will go. When it comes to just getting actually evaluated, the more coaches on staff you reach out to, say I'm a football player, which, you know, most of us have played, 
And I'm reaching out to a coaching staff that has 16, 17 coaches, including the support staff, the graduate assistants, uh, the analysts and whatnot, the offensive analysts. Imagine if you reached out to all of them instead of reaching out to three coaches. Your chances of getting a response go through the roof. Mm-hmm. Now, when one of them see your film and they're like, whoa, this kid is talented, they're going to either get it in the right hands or they might be the right hands. And now you just got to evaluate it. So yeah. it's all about just picking up the consistency and really the volume that it talks about when it comes to reaching out to schools and even then the coaches. So email, I love email. And Twitter comes right after email because once they connect it with you through email, now that's when Twitter becomes the hub of recruiting because they mm-hmm. actually follow you. They've connected with you. Now they're building a relationship with you on social media. Yeah. Now, how important is like what you post on social media? Not necessarily like what you're saying to recruiters, but like what kids post, because we have seen in the past, um, whether it's professional athletes or collegiate athletes, stuff that they posted 10 years earlier is affecting them. Like, you know, game suspensions or um, Spencer Rattler's. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but like that kind of I, stuff. I didn't like that dude from the jump. <laughs> this guy pissed me off, man. But uh, that kind of stuff. What what kind of stuff should athletes stay away from posting, and what kind of stuff should they post besides just their tapes? Because that you know, some people post a family vacations, whatever, and then others post a little bit of everything. Yeah, man. I, I would say keep it PG. So rap lyrics, unless they're positive and uplifting, stay away from it. I mean, we know everybody listens to their music, the Drake's or whatever you listen to, you're going to listen to it. But that doesn't mean you go tweet every lyric that he just said. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about smashing girls, whatever it may be. You got to think, this is your resume. The resume that we talk about, this is your resume. And if you're putting this out online, (laughs) this is going to be with you for the rest of your life. Like, I go back and I smile because I look back on stuff I was tweeting 10 years ago, and it aligns with what I'm tweeting now about mm-hmm. God, family, football, just, like, being an uplifting person. So I'm like, okay, I thank God I stayed on the right track. But <laughs> I can't yeah. say that for a lot of my buddies because they're posting them, you know, two 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 bottles of beer, and they're pouring it in their mouth. I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. you got to stay. And, and some of these kids don't understand, like, if you're under the age of 21 and you posting some of this stuff, like yeah. drinking and smoking, like yep. you're putting yourself in a really awkward position, especially if yep. you want to get recruited. Because even I know kids, everybody, the kids especially still love Snapchat because it disappears in 24 hours. Yeah. If somebody screenshots it or if oh, somebody yeah. had some people have two phones. So instead of them letting, because you know Snapchat notifies you when somebody mm-hmm. screen records or whatever. You with another now, phone. Yeah, they get it on another phone and now you're screwed because you're like, well, nobody's going to see this. They recorded it from somebody else's mm-hmm. phone and got it. Now they show it to somebody and it gets out or like fights, like all types of yeah. stuff. You know, we grew up like Everybody talks about World Star, but that can end up. <laughs> yeah. End up, end up I forgot about them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think a reminder of, sorry, I'm wrong, a reminder of what, what you just said about is the dude, offensive lineman from Old Miss that went in the draft a few years ago. Larry like a picture, a picture just appeared on the internet of him wearing a gas mask and then smoking. It's like, it's not just that you shouldn't post it. People will try to take advantage of you with that. It's like, hey, look at this picture I found of you like a few years ago. This will get you highly sought after, right? Hell no, dude. Got to be smart. And, and and also being a Christian athlete, you're supposed to be light of God out there. Not exactly. Supposed to be, you're supposed to 
show the light of God through your skill and through who you are. Um, that's why I like I don't believe in you know getting drunk and that kind of stuff, but that's because you have to be on what I like to say on mission all the time. Amen. You know? uh, that's Amen. just how I kind of look at it, but uh, so. So, yeah, no, I, I know how, like, I have a cousin who's getting or trying to get recruited for football or baseball, you know, depending on which one he can get. And I've seen some of his pictures he posted on Instagram prior, and I was like, dude, you got to take those down immediately, you know, yeah. track down what who has it, delete it, get rid of it, you know, whatever the heck it is. And so, you know, I'm going to I'm going to show him this t- episode as soon as it comes out. I'm going to be like, here, you're watching this <laughs> education. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> Don't be so, an idiot. Yeah, don't don't be an idiot. <laughs> please, please, I know no. it's hard. I know it's hard, Absolutely. but just don't be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to switch gears here, we talk about NIL a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, especially yeah. That's, that's recently. Re- recently, question. we've had a lot happen with NIL. Um, we're not gonna go into details, but <laughs> so just uh, just getting your observation. Number one, how do you feel about NIL in general? Before we get in, dive deep into this. They should have started when I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all saying at this point. Um, so yeah, so, ridiculous amounts. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we we me personally, I have a lot of opinions about NIL. So my senior year in 2019, um, that was when NIL was going through the the uh, proposal yeah. process with the NCAA. Yeah. Um, and we've told the story multiple times on this mm. on the show now. Um, I was on our SAC representative. Um, I don't know if y'all had SAC or if you had a different um, notion that was called at Georgia State, but we went through NCAA proposals, and that was the last question they asked. We had 50 people in a room, 49 people voted yes, one person voted no. And that was me. And I had to tell <laughs> why. I didn't believe it. And it's kind of to the point exactly what I said it's starting to happen now. Not saying I was right, but saying like it, the notion it's of, out of hand. It's getting bit. so out of hand at this point, and it's I'm not against athletes getting paid. And I, Nick and Aaron will say the same yeah. thing. We're not against athletes yeah. getting paid. We everybody's got bills to pay. Everybody's got exactly. something going on. Anything else? You got families that need to be paid and everything. Um, I understand. Um, there has to be a way to be able to control it all. That you can't allow an 18-year-old to go into a business meeting with people that have been doing business for 30 years and not be able to have representation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different things when it comes to that that you're just put, you're setting up kids to get taken advantage of, and it's yeah. becoming more and more. I mean, hell, there was nine people that got paid more than Brock, uh, Brock Purdy this year. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> the guy yeah. was looking to win in, uh, NFL MVP at one point. Yeah. And there's guys in college making more than him. Yeah. So, like, I just wanted to get your opinion on that um, because it's going to transition a little bit more into the next couple of questions I'm going to ask about it. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure, man. I, I think, it, like, I agree with you on the point where, you know, I believe athletes should be getting paid because, I mean, when you're coming out with another NCAA football and stuff like that and even the jerseys mm-hmm. that are being sold at the school, mm-hmm. I believe athletes deserve a cut. But I feel like – with that and the transfer portal and just what schools can offer kids to, to come to their school now, it, it's, it's teaching bad morals to these kids, man, because they're going to continue to chase the dollar instead of, you know, creating value for themselves and other people. Yep. 
Exactly. exactly. That's the best way you could probably say yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of it. I understand it. I respect it. I yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. understand that athletes do deserve a cut. They should be getting paid because I didn't get anything from no mm-hmm. scholarship to scholarship. I thought I mean I was thankful for you know everything being paid for, but I've heard some stories. I I, I actually know personally some kids making fifteen thousand a month right now, <laughs> and I'm like, this is sick. Yeah, <laughs> this is absolutely sick. I mean, yeah, yeah. the whole Ohio State transfer portal this year with the nine guys or eight guys that are coming in, they spent $14 million in NIL money to get them to come. Well, yeah, it's, it's just like, following, $14 million. Just following like, the money. It's crazy, dude. And it, it's, I think that's why you're also seeing all these older coaches are starting to, they're starting to leave because they can't recruit like what the NCAA was. Like it's a mm-hmm. business now. Yep. You got, you got to be able, you basically got to be a, a money manager now instead of just yeah. being just a coach. Like, usually, yeah. you know, like, you got your great coaches that can, you know, mold talent around the scheme or whatever. But now it's like, one, your whole roster might leave at the end of the season just because they want to transfer and go somewhere where they either pay no more, play no more, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's oh, a lot man. to go through it, man. I, my personal opinion overall is it's enabling these kids, and I genuinely – would love to see some like structure, some more structure in it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you see um I'm trying to think how to word this. Uh like when it comes to NIL, do you see kids that you're helping recruiting, do you see them choosing schools because they got athletes that are like, you know, 25, 26, 27, one because of COVID, two because they're able to stay with the NIL stuff, um, avoiding certain schools. Or do you see them, okay, hey, that guy's only going to be here for one more year, but they're making X amount of money that could be me next year after they leave. Um, do you kind of see kids choosing schools because of that? Or do you kind of see them avoiding schools with the older group? Um, like I, I, I watch a lot of UNC basketball. Uh, I think four of our five starters are 23 to 25. Um, 125 and the rest are 23. But that only allowed them to get two guys as freshmen this year instead of maybe four to six or four to five guys on the freshman team. Um, yeah, I kind of didn't know if you saw anything like that's causing kids to veer away from like, you know, University of Georgia, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, just because of the age group and the NIL kind of affecting both. Yeah, it, it varies uh, just from athlete to athlete because some kids, mm-hmm. they have other sources in their ears telling them go for the money. But mm-hmm. for me, when I'm when I'm educating families, and I always tell them go where the opportunity is. And when mm-hmm. I say that, I'm talking about opportunity to play and make a name for yourself, not anything yeah. different. The, the money is is good, but it's it's truly a byproduct of you doing a lot of great things on and off the yeah. field when it comes to academics and athletics. So I, yeah. I'm not I I've been seeing it here and there, but like I said, it's really just based off of each situation. But I, mm-hmm. I always the one my one rule of thumb would be you know. Make sure you go where, one, you get an opportunity to compete to play right away because if you go to a school and they're automatically registering you just to research you because they got guys that are 25, yeah. you, in your head, psychologically, you got to think, all right, next year they're going to bring in some better freshman recruits because the goal mm-hmm. in recruiting is to always recruit better. You're trying to recruit yeah. whoever you recruited before out of there. Yeah. So yeah. if you're not one of those guys and you do get redshirted, I can easily tell you, one, you're probably going to enter the transfer portal because the next year they're going to bring in freshmen who are better. They're going to bring in transfer portal guys to fill whatever void in the team is needed. 
Yeah. So you might not ever play till your, you know, junior or senior year. So it's yeah. It, you you really have to go where you're wanted and not where you're tolerated. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the the bounce on. Let's look at this from the other side then. So for yep. like smaller schools, right? Mm-hmm. How are smaller schools going to compete in the recruiting process compared to a bigger school that can offer money? Because now the That's NIL, like they're working with companies to, in yeah. order, just like what Utah did. Utah's yep. leasing trucks. Yeah, that, that, that is so stupid too. That is so dumb, dude. I, it's I, a I, it's a great sales tactic. It's a it's a phenomenal. Like this is at the end of the day, the way the college football and college sports in general is shifting. It's a ultimate business. It's a billion dollar business now. It really mm-hmm. is. But the thing is, you still have your blue collar guys out there who are not looking for the money because some kids yeah, come yeah. for money. Some kids yeah. are like, yo, I just want a really good education and I really want to go play college football because this might be the last time or college sports in general. I, don't know. I keep saying football because as you <laughs> see. <yeah. laughs> but this might be my last official time to strap it up or lace it up one more time. So a lot of kids who understand it, they're like, hey, I only, I'm only not even guaranteed, but I only have these next four to five years. And that's how I tell families, like, the biggest question I ask any high school kid, one if this was your last chance, your senior year, your last day of high school, and after this you basically had to sign a paper saying I will never play football or never play baseball or basketball again, would you be happy with it? Mm-hmm. Same thing when you go to college. You yeah. uh, <laughs> you step foot on campus and you're either redshirted or you chase the dollar instead of chasing opportunity because a lot of kids will enter that transfer portal and career die in the transfer portal. Nobody ever picks you back up because yeah. you didn't do anything on the college level. Uh-huh. So exactly. it, it, it's all about, man, just what do you what do you really want out of this process? Are you chasing money? I mean, you could chase it. You can go have a great college career, make a couple million. But having these kids, if you're not getting the right education, getting the right values and everything, you're going to blow that money because you're, you're a dumb kid. You're probably giving a lot of the money back to your family who's going and blowing it off, too. Yeah. And not helping you set up investment funds or whatever it may be. And now you're back at square one and all because you chose to chase the dollar instead of chasing. Let me go make a name, some memories, network, go find yeah. some coaches and brothers that I can link arms with and go build something with. But yeah, society teaches you to do things for money instead of doing things for morals and values. And see, exactly. that's one thing I really wish the NCAA will at least allow athletes to be able to do is have a financial advisor. Man, that'll be huge. That'll be again. That right there alone, I wouldn't say nothing about NILs. If, if they had that in exactly. place, where you have to have one. There's mm-hmm. nothing we can say because now they can help these kids set up whether it's a Roth IRA or whatever it yep. is. Now, when these kids turn 50, 40, 30, whatever it may be, they got a couple hundred thousand sitting in there because they knew what to do with their money. They're in real exactly. estate. We got we got more businesses, meaning more jobs for other people mm-hmm. who are less fortunate. Like it, it's just. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man, but I don't think the people at the top really care as much when it comes to that right now, right at this moment. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll see. Hell, yeah. at the minimum, yeah. these athletes, whenever they get done with college with how real estate is and everything else, they would be able to go out of school and at least be able to buy somewhere that they can live at and start exactly. start their professional career. Because, like, not, uh, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, not every kid has the opportunity to walk away from school debt-free. Does not have the opportunity to walk away from school with some money in their pocket. Yep. Not every kid has the opportunity to possibly go buy a house right after college. Yep. Um, so I mean, they're, they're pretty much if they if they were smart and not even just smart, if they just 
Honestly, yeah. if you just open up YouTube nowadays, the first thing you see is somebody speaking about finances. And mm-hmm. if you just take 1%, like listen to it 1% of the time, I mean, they, these kids could be set up for the rest of their life. Even if they never touch the sport again, never make a single dollar again, at least they would have a place over their head and they would uh, have some money in their back pocket. You know? I, like, I mean, that's just some things that you even even kids that don't play college sports and have a little bit of money, you're seeing that in them as well. They're not whether it's investing right, they're not uh, taking care of their situations right when it comes to the money side of things, you know, and that's, that's not just athletes. That's everybody like at the level coming up right now. So, so man, yeah. Um, yeah. Usually at the end, at the end of every episode, we ask everybody a little piece of advice. If you had one thing that you could say to the next generation to help them get recruited, help them in their pers- in their perspective sport, help them become a better athlete or help them be a better disciple as a Christian athlete. Uh, what would that advice be? Get a financial advice. No. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you hit it right on the head, brother. <laughs> oh, man. That was, that was uh, honestly, man, it it will be just the journey, man. Like, so I, I see a lot of times where I hear it all the time, and people always, I'm better than him. I dominated him. I don't know why he's getting offered. I don't know why this. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I always tell people the one metaphor that I I love so much. You know, the moon and the sun never hate on each other because they both shine in their respective times. Yep. Therefore, That's really this. Good. In this same process right now, man, you know, like, you're going to see other kids get offered right now. But the one thing that I could tell you is when you see somebody else getting rewarded or whatever it may be, that just means guys in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually, yeah. you know, when the paper boy was in the neighborhood back in the day throwing papers, most mm-hmm. times he didn't skip your house. He might have went to uh, took a different route and hit somebody else's house first, but he still hit your house. That's how mm-hmm. God breaks. If he's in the yeah. neighborhood... He's letting you know I'm close by. So most people, mm-hmm. if you just celebrate in a like whatever you celebrate in somebody else's life, you will accelerate in yours. Yeah. So I'm always preaching to kids, man, clap for your buddies, even if they're not your buddy. Clap because you're next. You're literally yeah. next. So if you want to get anywhere in life, just understand God's not a respecter of persons. The same favor and grace that He gave the the other athletes that are winning, quote unquote, winning in in mm-hmm. your eyes, maybe. You're gonna do the same thing. It's just a matter of one having faith. Yep. <laughs> like faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. So if yeah. I have faith, I understand that okay, God has everything. He knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. Yeah. Therefore, you know everything we're gonna do too. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's that's why I'm so confident. Like my story alone, like that I spoke about in the beginning. I always, one, had faith and knew that the God I serve, I said I was going to be in the NFL. But whether I had a long career in the NFL or not, I said it as a kid and I kept believing it and it happened. And I continued to do everything that I said I was going to. I said I was going to be a D1 player. No one from my high school went D1. I didn't see the seniors before me going, the seniors before them going. I was like, okay, nobody's going to college in general to play Mm -hmm. sports. I just kept believing it, and I also kept speaking over what I wanted, and I wrote yeah. it down. I made it plain. You know, Habakkuk, the, we can go on Bible yeah. verses all day, but the thing is, the one thing I tell these young athletes, man, write your vision down, make it plain, believe in it, but you also got to do the work. 
And you also can't compare yourself to Johnny and Timmy because you don't know what sacrifices they made, their families made. Therefore, just cheer them on because, like I said, God's in the neighborhood. And if he's in the neighborhood, I know I'm in good hands because I'm next. Exactly. Exactly. I'm ready to run my head through a brick wall. I know. I'm ready to go, dude. <laughs> I'm fired up, man. Let's go. We're 100% there, there with you. <laughs> man, we we really appreciate you having on. Yeah, like, honestly, it, we would like to have you on again at some yeah, point. Because yeah, I feel definitely. like we can dive even deeper into some of these yeah. di- different perspectives that, that's been going on through college. Because college, college sports in general, it's it's evolution is growing more yeah. and more. It's, it yeah. feels like every every week at this point. Um, so, yeah, we would definitely like to have you back on yeah. at some point in the near future, man. This well, is yeah, this would be great. I'll be honored. I'll be honored, man. You guys are <laughs> – what you're doing right now, man, is it's changing lives, man, because you guys are educating the masses, man, doing it in a godly manner, man. And I, all I can do is commend you guys, man. You guys are doing a great job. We appreciate it. And we commend you too, because it's hard to step away from the game and realize that, okay, typically go into coaching or going to refing or something like that. Yeah. But to go into the actual side of it and having to build a base and then to build a base on recruiting itself, that that is hard props right there to you. That is amazing. And God has blessed you with a pure gift with that for sure. Yeah, to, to be no able doubt. to go, yeah, to be able to go in somebody's house and speak to their family. And look at it and say, this is how we can help you. Well, I'm not doing it for you, but I'm going to educate you and show you how you can become a better athlete and a better person in a better place. Amen. And to be able to do that, that, that takes skill. And yep. as and we that's one of the major reasons why we started this. We want to bring younger guys like how we are that are trying to help that that young generation up and coming that may not know how to, because we didn't know how to get recruited. Yeah. We didn't know who to talk to. We didn't know how to talk, you know, like <laughs> yeah. if you, if you had put me in front of the camera, whenever I was 16 years old, Jesus Christ, that would have been horrible. But, <laughs> but like these kids now, they've, they've got so much that they have to deal with. And like, mm-hmm. I totally understand why kids are stressed out. I totally understand yeah. why someone may have depression. I totally understand why they may have anxiety because they're being put in front of cameras and everything is being analyzed at such a young age. And if you don't have the education and the people around you to understand what's going on and how to handle it properly. Yeah. It's, it's going to tear you down. Yeah. It's the world that we live in. And and most of these kids are starting at like third grade now, second grade. I mean, it's not even way until you're in middle school. It's skipped middle school is down to the lower. I mean, it's just like you said, you had, you had to start recruiting at ninth grade. Yeah. For us, it wasn't like that for us. Nope. Like it, it wasn't really that. Yet. Now, I mean, it, it was starting to get to that point, but like yeah. the the years before us, it wasn't like that. All of yeah. a sudden, recently, it's you better you better be ready as soon as you step foot in high school. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's insane, man. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a it really is. It really, really is. But we appreciate what you do, man. Um, we're really happy you took your time to be able to come on. Um, yeah. where where can people find you at? Where's your social media handles? Yeah, uh, so on Twitter is God's Gift G O D S Gift G I F T underscore Nate N A T E, and on tw- on Instagram it's just N Paxton ninety eight N P A X T O N ninety eight, and you can literally just search Nate Paxton on any anywhere on Google whatever you'll find me. Not hard yeah. to miss. 
<laughs> yeah, because we definitely want to be able to help you out. Um, any yeah. athletes that we have that we're either working with, I know Nick is coaching uh, with yep. my personal training and everything like that. I get a bunch of athletes, at least in the area. Um, if we get any athletes and we'll send we, them your way. Yeah, we'll send them your way. Um, that way you, you have some more athletes to be able to work with and get the outreach that because you're right in line with us. Um, yep. and we want to be able to work together. We want to keep on keep the train moving, man. Absolutely. Man, I'm right there with you. And likewise, man, any any guys that I have, even current yeah. coaches right now, like I got tons of yeah. connections, man. So we we yeah. definitely partnered up for life, man. I greatly Absolutely. appreciate it. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I, we appreciate it, man. And definitely, maybe when we make a run down to Georgia this year, we'll we'll stop by and say, "Yeah, hey. we we go to Savannah every year." Yeah, hey, look, please do. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hey, well, that'll be dope, absolutely. Man. And with that, this is the Athletes Table.